Okay, we are winding down in our series on Because of Who You Are. It's a series uh, exploring some of the compound, compound names of God from the Old Testament. And uh, we're doing that because to know God's name is to know him, to know his character, to know his essence. It, names were descriptive in the, in the Bible. They didn't just sound good going with the family name. They were descriptive of who the person was. And in many respects, the name given to a child sort of uh, inspired them to become who they've been named. And in some cases, names were changed because God uh, decided that the essence of the person, the character of the person, uh, the identity of the person had changed, and so he gave them a new name. And God is able to do that because God is the great identifier, right? So we've been looking at these, these six compound names of God uh, because they carry power, and as we learn of the names of God, it's important that we uh, uh, attribute the attributes of God. We've looked at six, uh, we are looking at six of them. The first one was Jehovah Jireh, meaning the Lord, our provider. Then we looked at Jehovah Nisi, the Lord, our banner, around whom uh, we, uh, we rally. And then Jehovah, Jehovah Shalom, the Lord, our peace. Last week we looked at Jehovah Rapha, the Lord, our healer. Today we're looking at Jehovah Rohi, the Lord, our shepherd. And next week we'll conclude the series with Jehovah Tzidkenu, the Lord, our righteousness. I just love saying Tzidkenu for some reason. Jehovah Tzidkenu, T-S-I-D-K-E-N-U is how they alliterate it, Tzidkenu. It's from the Hebrew, of course, the Lord, our righteousness. Now, Jehovah Rohi, the Lord, our shepherd, it kind of reflects an original plan that God had, the imagery of God as shepherd. And it dates back to the time of David, uh, King David, the greatest king of Israel, who was himself, as you know, a shepherd. Psalm 80, verse 1 says this, Give ear, O shepherd of Israel, you who lead Joseph like a flock, you who are enthroned upon the cherubim. It turns out it was a pretty good image for God, because Isaiah picks it up in, in chapter 40, verse 11. He will feed his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms and carry them in his bosom and gently lead the mother sheep. It was such a good image that God himself claimed it for himself. Ezekiel 34, verse 15 says, I myself will be the shepherd of my sheep, and I will make them lie down, says the Lord God. But the most well-known and most beautiful poem of God as shepherd is our text for today, Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. We'll look at it in more depth a little bit later, later on. But let's talk about the king as shepherd. When the people of Israel demanded a king, Samuel the prophet thought it was a, a bad idea. But God acquiesced and told Samuel to go ahead and give the people what they wanted. And it was really an accommodation for the people's sin because they wanted a king to substitute for the real thing, the Lord as their king. And as long as the king was faithful to God, things would work out okay. Things would be all right. It would work out if the king obeyed and uh, uh, followed the, the, the laws of God. So Samuel anointed Saul as Israel's first king. But that didn't work out so very well. And Saul gave way to David, who became Israel's greatest king. All the other kings were compared to David. And only a few even came close to measuring up to David. Most of Israel's and Judah's kings were 
awful. They weren't faithful to the Lord. They led their people astray, and they worshiped other gods and led the people to worship other gods. Jeremiah 50, verse 6, says this, My people have been lost sheep. Their shepherds have led them astray, turning them away on the mountains. From mountain to hill they have gone. They have forgotten their fold. It got so bad that God sent armies against Israel and Judah to punish them for their unfaithfulness, finally destroying Israel, the northern kingdom, which was carried away to Assyria, and Judah, the southern kingdom, which was carried away to Babylon. Almost immediately, the prophets began to speak of a new day when the Lord would once again be the people's shepherd. Ezekiel 34, verse 23 says this, I will set up over them one shepherd, my servant David, and he shall feed them. He shall feed them and be their shepherd. And since no human king could possibly shepherd all the nations of the world, God made plans to come in the flesh incarnate as king and shepherd. Matthew 2, verse 6 says this, And you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for you shall come, from you shall come a ruler who is to shepherd my people, Israel. The Messiah, Messiah as shepherd, Jehovah Rohi, the shepherd king thing, the human king thing with the shepherd didn't work out so well. Only David and a couple of his great, great, great grandsons managed to rule faithfully. God had to step back and then step in to human history to become Jehovah Rohi. Jesus, he is the good shepherd, the Messiah, the anointed one, God incarnate. And through Jesus, God establishes the relationship between himself and his people, and now extended to all people. The principal characteristic of the good shepherd is that he's willing to lay down his life for his sheep. John 10, verse 11 says that. I am the good shepherd, Jesus says. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. And never does the good shepherd lose track of his sheep. Remember the parable of the, the shepherd who leaves the 99 and goes to find the lost one. And he saw in that video a little while ago how the shepherd going to find that lost one can draw that sheep back to the fold simply by calling to them. So let's look at Psalm 23 in a little more depth. The Lord is my shepherd. That's a declaration of faith and a declaration of allegiance to say the Lord is my shepherd. It's also the implication is of obedience because if you're going to be the sheep of the great shepherd, then you are going to follow him. You are going to let him guide you. He's going to let, let you lead you, let him lead you to green pastures uh, for feed, for food, and uh, still waters for drink. You're going to let the Lord lead, not lead and then ask the Lord to come along <laughs> with you. So the Lord is my shepherd. That's a declaration of faith and a declaration of obedience. And then it says, I shall not want. Now, that kind of confuses us because the word want in today's language, English, means uh, I shall not desire, right? But that's not what it means in, in the biblical sense in this, in this particular place. It means I shall not lack that I will have everything I need. I shall not want of anything. Uh, there will be nothing that I don't have that I need. So God will be the provider. Jehovah 
uh, Jira, the Lord, our provider. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. All of these phrases reflect the nature, the nurture and care that God gives to us. If we will allow him, if we will spend time with him, uh, he will not force us to go to green pastures or still waters. He will not force a, rest, a restored soul upon us. Remember the imagery of the shepherd leading the sheep? Uh, a shepherd can do that. A butcher drives the sheep. A butcher gets behind the sheep and drives them to the, to the chopping block, whereas a shepherd leads them to green pastures and still waters. But the sheep have to follow. You and I have to follow if the Lord is going to be our shepherd. He leads me in right paths for his namesake. If we listen, God will lead us on right paths. Um, Jehovah, uh, uh, Ro- Jehovah, Roth- Jehovah said canoe. <laughs> it's the next one. The Lord our righteousness. That's what that's talking about. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, and we've been walking through some dark valleys, haven't we? Even though I walk through the darkest valley, no matter what happens to us, no matter what befalls us, no matter what challenges we face, the Lord will be with us. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Now, sometimes the image of a rod and a staff is that of punishment, right? Uh, You're going to get whacked over the head with, with this rod or this staff. It is a weapon, but it's a defensive weapon. It's, it's a weapon used to defend the sheep against the wolves and the, and the mountain lions and, and other predators that would come and attack uh, the sheep. So the shepherd holds the staff not to beat the sheep, but to beat away the enemies from the sheep. And it and is in the midst of that that God, our, our good shepherd, is there to comfort and to sustain us with his rod and his staff. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies, says the psalm, where we will be exalted over those who hate God and who hate us, who hate us for his sake, not who hate us because we're terrible people, but who hate us for Jesus' sake. He will prepare a table before us, before, uh, in the presence of our enemies. And then it says, you anoint my head with oil, which is what they do to designate a king, Right? It is, it is how they designate a king, by anointing his head with oil. Uh, designate a queen by anointing her head with oil. It's also a sign of hospitality because a good host will use oil to anoint the head of his or her guests. And then it says, my cup overflows. Again, imagery of hospitality there. A good host never lets a guest's cup go empty. In fact, continues to fill it uh, until they're done. Surely, goodness and mercy, with the Lord as my shepherd, life may not always be easy, it may not always be perfect, but it will be blessed if the Lord is our shepherd and we follow him always. Now, who wouldn't want a shepherd like that, right? That is our God, our good shepherd. So, what's our part? Like good sheep, we have to listen. We have to listen for his voice. John 10, verses 3 and 4 says, He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all of his sheep, he goes goes ahead of them, and the sheep follow him because they know his voice. You saw that in the video. They followed him because they knew 
the shepherd's voice. We have to recognize his voice and then follow. So we need to listen. We need to hear his voice. Revelation 7, verse 17 says, For the Lamb at the center of the throne will be their shepherd, and he will guide them to springs of the water of life, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Is the Lord your shepherd? Do you know his voice? Do you spend enough time with him to learn his voice and to recognize his commands? If not, here's what you could do. First, read the Bible. The word of God reveals the will and the heart of God. If you want to know God's voice, you have to read his word. If you want to know him, you have to read his word. As J.D. Walt shared in our daily devotions recently, it's more than just reading, though. That's the first one. We read, and then we ruminate or meditate. Then we rememberize or memorize. We research or study. And then we rehearse or we live it out. We act out on the word. We read, ruminate, rememberize, which is a word he made up, research and rehearse. We need to spend significant time in the Bible, in the Word of God. We also need to spend significant time in prayer. That includes time to listen to God, not just talk to to God. Sometimes we talk too much in prayer. We We don't pause long enough for God to speak because he will whisper. He won't shout at us very often at all. I've rarely heard God shout at me. And I'm not talking about an audible sound. I'm talking about a heart sound, a sound that you perceive in the midst of your soul. God will whisper, and if we listen well enough, we'll be able to hear him. Then we have to act. Once we hear him, we have to act. When you hear God saying something to you, you need to act on it. If you act on God's word, he will reveal more and more to you. But if you don't act on God's word, he will fall silent. He will stop talking to you, at least in the personal sense, because if you're not going to follow what he tells you, what's the point, right? Pause long enough, be quiet enough to hear his voice, to recognize his voice. And you'll know that what he's saying is in accordance with the word, right? In accordance with what has been uh, uh, perceived by the church through the ages. You can get off into la-la land if you start following whatever voice you hear in your head, right? So you got, you got to be careful about that uh, and, and measure it against the Word of God and, and uh, uh, confirm it amongst the people of God who are also reading the Word of God and spending significant time in prayer. They will confirm, yes, that sounds like the voice of God. Uh, go and do it. That's why it's so important to be in a small group uh, of, of disciples walking the road together so that we can hear the voice of God and act on it together. Next week, we'll conclude this series on Because of Who You Are with Jehovah Tzidkenu, my favorite uh, word at least, the Lord our righteousness. I want you to read Jeremiah 23, verses 5 and 6 in preparation for that. Jeremiah 23, 5 and 6.